What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're live, pal. Hey, we're live, pal. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the A-Side Live Chat on MAFighting.com. I am, of course, your host, Jose Youngs. It's a, sl- it's a slow week because there's no UFC for the first time since, I don't know, the millennia turned. Turn. So uh, no media day. So we're, we'll bring you your content anyway. But joining us this week, it's his re-debut on the A-Side Live Chat. The last time he was on, Casey Lydon wasn't even a regular yet. It was still the old style of A-Side where I was reading the questions off of a screen and you guys wouldn't get to see it. It was back in the dark eras where, I don't know, my live stream would crash every other day and people would make fun of me in the lot in the <laughs> comment section for my audio difficulties or everything freezing and the world seemed against me. But rejoining us this week, making his re-debut since joining Team MMA Fighting is, you know him, his voice from our preview shows, post-fight shows, weigh-in shows, between the links, what the heck, anything else you host, Mike? It's Mike Heck, by the way. What else you host? I don't know. I'm just happy to not be hosting anything. So there must be, yeah, there must be something about the holidays because the last time I was on, it was Thanksgiving Eve. It's Christmas Eve Eve. So, I mean, it must be a holiday thing, but I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Yeah. So everyone who's been curious, hey, Mike hosts all the time, but what's his thoughts and opinions and everything in the world of MMA. Now you can hear them. Mike, thanks for joining us. But Casey, how's life in your... My goodness. Look at that. <laughs> Feliz look Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Button your top button, sir. Oh, yeah. yeah. You gotta get a little, little scandalous. Have a little too much eggnog, you know. I know. It's too much eggnog at 10 a.m. Silk nog. Silk is that, nog. What is, is that a blanket hanging behind you? Or a puzzle? Or what? 
Oh, wow. Is, oh, sorry, I had my headphones out. What is it? What is it? So for those of you that listen, Casey Lydon is, has a fireplace going. He has a brown cardigan over a flannel shirt, <laughs> drinking a smoothie. He has it's a little, it's a little, it's a little backdrop. You, do, you go to the mall, you know, you have Santa yeah. in front of it and stuff. He has a backdrop of some festive Christmas themed mall. He has a Grave Diggers poster. And yeah. who's that referee covered oh. in blood? Hold on. Oh, and he has to go get something. Fun story oh, about that. There you go. I was wondering. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to get that. And he has – which referee is that? Uh, is this Tony Weeks? No, not Tony. Is that I think name? so. Yeah, Tony Weeks. I think so. so. This is one of the best traditions. It's, the, oh, it's the probably line. one of the five greatest photos in the history of yeah. combat sports of referee Tony Tony Weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, covered in blood after a very – I can't remember the match, but I remember when that photo was taken. Uh, she sent to the Slack group back when she worked at MMA fighting. So, yeah, that is an epic, <laughs> epic picture. And fun story, Mike. I think it was March. It might have been the March or December. I can't quite remember. But it was one of the uh, fight cards that when we could actually go to fight cards, you we went out to eat one dinner, and that referee walked into the restaurant like a month after Esther shot that photo. So uh, What? Yeah, he, we that's were like crazy. ordering, we sat down, and we, and then all of a sudden we look. I'm like, hey, Esther, that's the bloody guy from your picture. She's like, oh, yeah, that is that guy. So it was uh, a little coincidence. But anyway, you guys know the drill. This is the A-Side Live chat. You can ask us anything you want. Uh, I am here in Arizona where the pandemic has hit a massive spike. I'm staying here for yeah. Christmas. Mike, how's the holidays over in bitter cold New England? snowy we got like two feet of snow last week so that's yeah. fun but uh then it's gonna be in the 50s the next couple of days so now there's flood watches everywhere here in massachusetts because yeah. all the snow is gonna melt so that but sounds I'm excited. like a classic I that sounds like a classic new england winter i got a seven-year-old so the spirit is high here in in good old berkshire county massachusetts has he been good for santa <laughs> sometimes 50 50 <laughs> It's a good yeah, answer. he's good. It's a good answer. He's good. Anyway, you got go ahead. Oh, before we get to the questions, have you guys ever seen that movie Claws, the, the animated film? It's got claws. It's on, um, not like Santa Claus, not claws. But have you heard about that? No, I haven't seen it. I highly recommend it. It came out about I think two years ago, a year ago. I think it was nominated for best animated best animated film or whatever. Man, it is such a good Christmas film. I'm just saying, check it out. It's a great Claws? family film. Claws, yeah, like Santa Claus, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, it's on Netflix, and um, yeah, I just saw it last night, and like it's just a terrific animated um, family Christmas film. I, I, have, I don't watch a lot of Christmas films. Uh, not that I have anything against it. I just it's never been my thing. But yeah, I'll give it a shot. I yeah, like me, you know what? Me, me neither. But I felt like you know watching a Christmas film last night, and I heard I got a good recommendation from it, and it came through. Oh, here. Hey, oh, wait, wait, hold on. Got, got yeah. someone to say hi. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Look at that. Special guests everywhere. So, Which one is this? This is Fezzik. Fezzik. Is she the one that sits on me? Yeah, yeah. She's the one that barks at you if you're sitting on her, if you're sleeping on her. Couch. No, she doesn't bark. She just sits. She doesn't even <laughs> like make a scene. Like, so I stayed at their, I stayed at their house once, Mike, when I went to LA to first uh, independent wrestling show, 
and they said I could sleep on their couch, which is Fezzik's spot to sleep. So instead of barking or growling or finding a new place, she just went to her spot, which happens to be where I was laying and just laid basically like on my face. She goes, this is my spot. I don't care if you're there. I'm sitting here. So that's that dog. And we've been bonded ever since. Anyway, you guys know the drill. You can ask any question you want on the YouTube comments, on Twitter, on the site. I have a feeling my computer is going to shut down at any moment for whatever reason. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. You know what? Um, first thing, we're going to go to a big old question. Um, lots of questions in this one. My to- goodness. From T. Gordet, 1982. Is this the Tristan Gordet that blows up our comments every single show? Probably. What's up, Tristan? Two, MMA fighting. And he gave us three questions. Number one, looks like Chandler and Hooker have verbally agreed to fight at UFC 257. <laughs> Who you got? Now, keep in mind what Hooker did to get two other fighters that are 5'8 in height, Pearson and Miller. Number two, on an episode of On to the Next One, Heck and A.K. Lee suggested Ige's next fight be against Burgos. It was then reported by Mike Heck back in November. That'll be Burgos versus Dewadu at UFC 257. Well, it now makes sense for the UFC to hold Ige versus Hall onto that card as well. Add Ige versus Hall onto that card as well. Number three, with Manel Cape's UFC debut versus Pantoja being in the works, Getting rebooked sometime in February. How much do you think his entrance at Flyweight bolsters the division even more as a whole? So a lot to unpack for Mr. Tristan Gordet. So we'll start with number one. He said, looks like Chandler and Hooker verbally agreed to UFC 257. Have they? Have they? Uh, I would say that that report at best is premature. That's that's all I'll say at the moment. It's not uh, it's not done. It's uh, hasn't been signed. Uh, I'm sure Hooker would be very excited to get that fight uh, from everything that I've heard. And I know Damon Martin has heard this as well. Uh, that is not wholly accurate. So I wouldn't get too excited about that one just yet. Uh, I wish I wish that fight happened. But there's a lot of fights for Chandler I like. The Chandler versus Gaethje fight I think would be the one that most people want to see. Maybe the winner of that fights the winner of Poirier and, and McGregor for the vacant lightweight title, depending on how Dana's meeting with Habib goes. But if Gaethje wants to wait and fight the winner of Poirier versus uh, McGregor for at a later date and Chandler fights Hooker, I think that's the next best thing. And, of course, the theme of all of this is Charles Oliveira. Is the, once again, the forgotten man. <laughs> but who you got? Uh, I don't know, man. That's a tough fight. Hooker does really good against fighters, really well against fighters that are much smaller than him. But Chandler is one of the toughest individuals I've ever seen in my entire life. So toss-up in my mind. I just got, it's a good fight. Got, oh, no, it's excellent. It's a great fight. fight. I, but honestly, Chandler against anyone in the top five, ten, I mean, that's just a fight. We just want to see it. We just want to see Chandler. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over this whole, like, Chandler this, Chandler that. Like, you know I mean? I felt like, it's just, how long has this been going for now? Like, what's the, what, what's, like, what's the holdup? Are, are they still, what are they, is it, I, is it money? What's the holdup? Like, I thought the contract uh, for already- Chandler. So he cut weight. He cuts a lot of weight. It's like a weight. The weight, the weight cut's not easy for him. And since he cut in November or October, whatever the, the fight was for the as the backup for Habib Gaethje, he didn't want a quick turnaround in December to recut. So he said January would be fine. So he pretty much weighed in as the backup and did and didn't want to turn around right away. But I guess it's, it's the holdup on the is, is the hold up the date or the opponent. I think it's the opponent, the opponent or yeah. they're, they're waiting for the meeting with Habib because yeah. if Habib doesn't retire, maybe that throws a big wrench into the lightweight picture. But if he does retire and there's now vacant, that probably opens up a lot more possibilities. Kind of Wait, a mini tournament. If he doesn't retire again, doesn't. Yes. Yeah. 
Anyway, number two, Mike, I'll let you answer this one on the on to the next one. Achilles suggested Ige against Barbosa, but you have reported Burgos and Tawadu, which I freaking love. Uh, so Ige Hall, question mark. You like that fight? Sure. Ryan Hall against anybody is an excellent fight. Danny Gay is coming off the loss to Calvin Cater. He's he's looked great. Besides that, he's come. He's had a really good stretch and losing to Cater. There's no shame in that whatsoever. So, Ige versus Hall would be a really interesting stylistic matchup. So, I'd be down for that. I'm sure, Casey would love that too. If if, if Dan Ige is brave enough to step inside <laughs> that octagon and risk his life, his well-being, his knees to face. The GOAT, the greatest ever, Ryan Hall. You go for it, Dan. Yeah, it's uh if if Bryce if if what was it? If Andre Feely had beaten Bryce Mitchell, the fight stake would have been Mitchell Ige just because they've had a lot of bad blood over uh the last few like like the last year, just a lot of greasiness thrown back and forth between one another. But Bryce Mitchell won, he gets to move on. So yeah, Ige versus Hall sounds good to me. Or Hall versus Bryce Mitchell if Bryce, if, if uh, Brian Hall just wants a fight fighter coming off a win. But Ige is the higher-ranked fighter, so I'm obviously not in favor of that one. So, yeah, sign me up. And then the winners of those fights can fight each other. Yeah. Right? I dig it. There you go. You're is, welcome, is, UFC. Is Ryan Hall, is he in front of – is Ryan Hall ranked uh, on the, uh, yes. the UFC? Oh, he is ranked, right? Okay. I, wasn't, I can't remember. Number, he's 13. So he's in front of Mitchell, correct? By one spot. One spot. By one. Okay. Uh, if yeah. they want to make that fight cool, but if they don't want to make a grappler versus grappler fight, why not? Yeah. That'd be a drastic clash in personalities, too. Yeah. <laughs> My I, goodness. Yeah. I, I want I want them to hold up on Hall Mitchell because I think that, that, that fight, that fight's like a – I want it to be like a, a main event or a co-main event. A main event for a fight night or at least a co-main event for a uh, – a pay-per-view because I think that's such a dynamic matchup both style-wise and personality-wise that um hope it gets the proper build-up. I agree. I agree. But if they book it, I won't complain. Anyway, number three, Manolo Cape's UFC debut versus Pantoja might get rebooked for February. What does his addition do for the flyweight division? Mike, you've interviewed Manolo Cape probably more than any other MMA journalist out there in the last few months. What does his addition at 125 do for that division? Right this second, amongst like UFC fans, it does very little. But the second they see him fight, it'll do a lot. It's just one of those things. Like, there's a lot of people who watch Ryzen and seen what he's done over the last couple of years, 2019 specifically. That's when he's really started to turn it on. And I felt like once he got signed back in February or March, those fans are just like, oh my God, it's happening. But then they slotted him in as sort of as the backup fighter for the main event between Figueredo and Moreno at UFC 256. And people were like, huh, who's this guy? They had no idea. But once they see this man fight and, and show that killer instinct, I think he's going to be a welcome addition to the division. I think people are going to be really excited to see him moving forward. I, I think he's like, as soon as you see him fight, you're just going to be like, holy, holy cow, this guy is legit. Not saying Pantoja is a guy that is a, is a walkover or anything like that, but Cape's, Cape's kind of a killer. And uh, I think people are going to be excited to see his future once they actually see that transpire. Casey, I know you're a huge Manel Cape <laughs> fan, and you're probably more excited than anybody to see this man make his UFC debut. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm just, I'm really worried about the. It's a year. He's had. He's going to have over a year layoff. That's because last time he fought was New Year's Eve in Japan uh, last year. So, man, like. <sighs> 
yeah. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just bummed. For I'm, I'm, how, how was Men okay? But how, how did you ask him about just the the layoff, Mike? What do you, what do you yeah, say about that? Like, I mean, that has to stress him out. You know, it's the longest, it's the longest of his career. So he's just like he's just hanging out and trying to get better, but. He's, he's of that mindset, just like, listen, everything happens for a reason. If my time hasn't come yet, it will, and it's okay. Cool. So he's way more cool about it than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be like, beside <laughs> himself and antsy about it. I feel, I feel like well, I'm, I think, I feel like I'm I more stressed he, out than he is. <laughs> yeah, well, what he has going for him is it's not like he was injured and on a long layoff. Like, he's been through fight camps. So he's been in fight shape, at least, like, you know, he's not – like Rob Font, where he had to sit and then make rehab his martial art. He was still in fight camp. But I think what sucks is, remember, when I was at UFC 256, I asked Dana White about Manel Cape, and he was like, yeah, fighter stepping up is great. It was clearly Dana White had absolutely no, <laughs> I no idea, idea that it was. <laughs> Which is unfortunate because he got the uh, Michael Chandler treatment pretty much outside of all of the promo videos of him working out. Yeah. Uh, he got to come in right away and be the backup for a flyaway title fight. But honestly, I think the draw might do benefit him because now he's not going to get thrust in the title picture right away. We get we still have to do the 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 rematch, and then if Manel Cape does what Manel Cape does and then gets one more fight in and does what Manel Cape Manel Cape does back to back fights and he gets that title fight, people are going to be more excited. He's not getting rushed into title fight anyway. I agree. Thank you for the thank you for the three questions, Tristan. I hope we answered all of them. Yeah, break them up next time, man. Jeez, it's like. All right, I'm gonna go to the uh, YouTubers. Do, 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 do. Oh, I lost my question. Where do you go? Here we go. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Sandy Pham, another longtime commenter. What is up with the whole thing about Dana saying Rose doesn't want to fight Wiley Zhang? For those of you not seeing this, <laughs> I'm making the money sign with my fingers. 
that's probably what the holdup is. Um, so yes, for those of you who aren't aware, UFC president Dana White said Rose doesn't want to fight Zhang Wiley, UFC strawweight champion. So he's looking to book uh, Wiley versus Carlos Sparza and then have Rose matched up with Yan Xiaonan, who is another uh, Chinese fighter that has been on an absolute tear. Uh, at strawweight, she hasn't lost, I think, in the UFC at all. A lot of a lot of wins over some big name uh, competition right away. So we all assumed it was Rose Wiley. Apparently, there's a holdup. I think we were all under the same assumption that it's money. Like Rose just wanted money, or maybe she didn't want to fight on a fight island. Or I'm not sure. We don't know. I'm not in Rose's camp. Uh, but I like the Carla versus Wiley fight. But I like the Rose versus Wiley fight way more. Casey. At one point in time, you said Rose versus Wiley was your most anticipated title fight of all of the year, and then you remembered Habib Gaethje still had to happen. Yeah. So, uh, Rose Wiley might not happen yet. What are your thoughts? I'm just bummed. That's all. I just I, w- I wish I wish UFC and Dana could agree to financial terms with Rose. You know, I wish Dana had, didn't have to throw this whole. Oh, she doesn't want the titles, like all that, all that BS. Just, just say it. Just say we're having some contract negotiations, you know, and that's it. You know, we get that. You know, this is a prize fighting, but just uh, to kind of put it out there that she's not a warrior and all that stuff. Come on. So I'm just, I'm just bummed. But this is all expected now. Yeah, when they announced it, I think a couple of years ago I would have been more annoyed, but now I'm just like, this is all yeah, bad at this joking, point. Like. One is it like remember when I joked on our preview and post fight shows? The UFC never wants to make matches that we want to see. Yeah, <laughs> Exhibit A, Exhibit A. But Mike, what are your thoughts on Dana Mike possibly skipping over Rose Wiley right now? I don't even know if it's. I, I think money's. I mean, money seems to be part of every type of conversation like this, but I think it's more impatience. I think they have a date in mind and when they want this fight. And Rose Namajunas isn't the same fighter she was that, uh, on The Ultimate Fighter. She's very clear-headed, very goal-oriented. She doesn't just make decisions on a whim. She likes to analyze and interpret everything that she does. And I don't see anything wrong with that. What's more interesting about this whole situation is that Zhang Wei Li, Carla Esparza, and Rose Namajunas are all represented by the same manager. They all have the same mm-hmm. manager. So negotiations is going to be is super fun. I would love to kind of be in the room and see what the conversations are like since it's the same management company for three of the four fighters involved here. But I feel like at the end of the day, Rose Namajunas will end up getting the title shot because I just feel like it's a bigger fight. I, and, not saying, and I'm not defaming Carla Esparza here because I think that she's done enough to earn an opportunity at this point, especially after everything going on. I still think Carla needs one more win. I would like to see her fight Ioanni and Jacek. I think that's a rematch that I kind of want to see again in 2020. Oh, the yeah. first fight was a, was a beating, but I feel if Carla, for her to get back there and actually like officially earn that shot, I think she if she beats Ioana, it's a no-brainer. It's no doubt kind of a situation and people can move on from this. Well, she's only lucky because one extra judge gave her a round and won her the fight. I like all those ideas. I also like the idea of Carla fighting Yan Nan for number one contender, maybe in, on the same on the undercard of a Rose Wiley of a Rose Wiley, so they're all in the same time frame. And then if Joanna really wants to come back soon, uh, she could fight see if Amanda Hebos wins. Amanda seems to be kind of on the up and up to it. Straw weight. I think they really wanted to fast track her towards a title fight. But if Rose and Jan and everyone else is holding up the picture, you want Amanda Ebos is awesome too. That is a huge clash of personalities, especially in terms of media and hype and everything. But I think 
they're very genuine people. What you see is what you get all the time. So uh, I wouldn't hate that either. But Strawway rules. That's the end of the story. That seems they are the. It is by far the most stacked division in the in, of women's <clears throat> MMA. I felt like when Dana mentioned this about the Sparza um, Zang, uh, Wei, Wei Li fight, um, I felt it, it brought me back to um, when um, Sarge Eubanks was going to be the main yeah. event against uh, Valentina. Like no one believed it, but it was clearly. Uh, a threat, you know. At oh, they sport. booked that fight, didn't well, they? Yeah. Sign contract. It was booked. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a signed contract. But what does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> and then Sajar yeah. missed. And then Sajar ended up fighting in MSG anyway and missed weight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good time. Bomber. Thank you very much, Sandy fam. All right, go back to our some Twitter comments. Boom. From longtime commenter Trumbo, co-main for Connor v. Dustin. Dustin v. Connor. Dustin's ranked higher. Co-main event for this event is currently listed as Ivers Calderwood. While not a bad fight in its own, certainly falls short for a co-main event of a huge pay-per-view card. You think they are still still working on this card? Because besides the main event, it's pr- it's pretty thin name and star wise. So do you think this is more likely that will that what we'll see going into the future for cards with high-profile main events similar to boxing cards? And the people buy it mostly only for the main event. Is this going to be the trend in 2021 as fallout from UFC parting ways with old and more established veterans of the sport? This question is very reminiscent of the last time Connor fought. <laughs> when Connor fought Cowboys, yeah, the co-main event was Holly versus Raquel, right? Yeah. Was that the original main of co-main event though? Did something uh, fall out or did that get moved around? No, that was original main. That was original coming. That was always the original okay. coming. Yeah. Actually, on so, that card, pre-pandemic, there were um, you know in typology when they have all the fights yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah, fell yeah. out. There's almost yeah. nothing on it. <laughs> it's like that card was actually yeah. has booked, and now yeah. now now the um, the you know those are longer than the actual card itself. <laughs> the cancellation. It's uh, that's this is going to be the trend I think with Connor fights because a it's going to sell well no matter what. So you don't need to stack the card and get all these eyeballs on these up and coming fighters. Um, but like UFC 229 was absolutely stacked. That was to be Connor. Uh, UFC 205 is probably one of the most stacked cards in the history of the UFC. That was the first MSG card. UFC 202, I think, was thin on paper outside of the top two fights, but it ended up being amazing because we like Cody Garbrandt was on that card. Uh, who else? Uh, there was a lot of that was the Matt Brown. Was that Brown on that? No, Donald Cerrone, Patrick Cote was on that card. Uh, the co-main event was Ron Glover. So these cards end up being really good in the long run. So, But this is going to be the trend with Connor. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, though, Mike. Probably. I mean, but but still, it's kind of like the first question we got. We still have the looming Michael Chandler factor. Like, we, yeah. we assume he's going to be on this card somewhere. Whether it's Dan Hooker, whether it's Justin Gaethje, whether it's Paul Felder, I mean, who knows? Whether it's somebody at 155 or could be RDA, I think they're going to do everything in their power to get Chandler on this card and put him in the co-main event slot. And again, nothing wrong with Jessica I versus uh, Joanne Calderwood being the co-main event. I mean, this is a good card. You got Rodriguez and Hebas. You got Shane Burgos and Duwadu. It's still a pretty good card. I mean, it's not like it's not like gangbusters across the board, but Bellator, this is one thing that Bellator always needed to do better. And they, they have done better over the years is you put this main event that creates all of this buzz, but then you don't set it up so that like your younger talented fighters that you're trying to put over, get that spotlight showed on them. And I feel like the UFC's actually done a pretty good job of this with Connor fights and giving these guys opportunities to 
to grow and, and establish it. Like, I mean, it's huge for Brian Kelleher. I mean, look at Brian Kelleher. Awesome. He wasn't supposed to be on the main card of, of that January card, but he got up there because there was uh, an injury or crystal. somebody falling out. Of but, no, yeah. it was the crystal. It was the crystal. That's right. And then he gets the submission, saves his job. And a lot of people, he got a lot of buzz out of that. So I feel like some of these fighters can, can get that same rub with this whole thing, but who knows? I mean, Chandler's still a factor. Just how he factors in, we don't really know just yet. Well said. How many pay-per-views did Connor claim was sold when he fought Donald like Cerrone? 1.3, like 1.3, 1.2 million, something like that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think by the amount of those buys, Connor, the UFC, we they know they can just, they can put Connor versus a doorknob, and they can still sell a million pay-per-views. So. While we might get some good prospects on the undercard, um, yeah, it's not going to be any name value. Although I am very excited to see JoJo versus I, but yeah. I mean, but we're we're not we're we're not the fans that make the UFC a billion dollar company. We're, we're, we're the it's ones also, that keep. Yeah, someone mentioned on in a tweet to me once, or I saw it on Twitter. I can't quite remember, but it's, it's allegedly this fight, these fights are going to have fans. Allegedly, that's what Dana White like. It's a possibility. Dana White said they're still trying to figure everything out. Now, if there's no bubble or I, like Dana White's again, he's trying to figure everything out. He doesn't want people to quarantine for two weeks. He wants to do it smart. If there are fans and he gets to do international fight with all these people, I doubt he wants to put a ton of huge names that could all possibly be at risk. Like he doesn't want to like lose these fights, tie them up. But like someone also replied to that and was like, "What if Poria gets COVID and, and then the main event is out?" Like that's like this isn't a pay per view card without the main event. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you could do Chandler versus Hooker maybe, or Chandler versus RDA for an interim title. But like, who wants that? Like put. I think they need one more fight on this card just as a precautionary. But I think they should do that for every card moving forward. Like we saw, like Hamza and Leon Edwards fell out. That sucked. But then when Thompson and Jeff Neal got bumped up, still a great fight. There was a lot of great fights you could elevate on that card. I think they need a backup on all these massive cards moving forward <laughs> that card had like 27 fights on it at one point yeah, no <laughs> it was crazy I remember i remember on we were doing a preview or post fight show or something and they were moving they were rebooking all these fights and they were like and i was like you think half these car- fights are even gonna happen like it's just it's it's written in the stars you get 20 fights on a card you're gonna end up with 10 by the time fight night comes around and four of them are gonna fall out the day of the fight I think it's true. I've I've been doing I've I have a long um little Twitter thread of um all the canceled fights from the last three weeks. It's it's getting ridiculous. Uh, Mateus right. Nicolau is on UFC two fifty seven, right? Against the Flyway? dreaded TBD. Yeah, against TBD. Yeah. So they re-signed. Wasn't he in Brave? Right? He was in. He was supposed to be in that flyaway tournament with Shorty. Yep. Man, they just do not want to re-sign Shorty. <laughs> oh, I know it's what a bummer. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, speaking speaking of oh man, I don't want here. We, we'll talk. We'll talk about the the big fight booking that was announced yesterday. Oh God! Joseph oh, Bozo okay. to Mike Jackson beating <laughs> Barry, meeting the welterweight division at UFC Fight Night One Eighty Five Edwards versus Shamayev. I swore Jackson was cut. Yeah, you know why? Because Dana White said he'll never get a fight, but Dana White says a lot of things that don't happen. So, yeah, Mike Jackson's back. They really just wanted someone to fight on Fight Island. 
Mike Jackson, fellow MMA media member, who was the yep. only one of only two. Mike, were you on the site for UFC 247 yet? That was John Jones and Reyes. I was not there for that one, no. So for that one, that was like one of the last few pen. That was the last non-Vegas card in the United States before the pandemic really happens for a pay-per-view. And in the post-fight press conference, while we were killing time, I was walking around interviewing media members on how they scored the main event. And Mike Jackson, I think, had it four <laughs> rounds to one, John Jones. And I was like, what in the world? Where did you get that score from? And then uh, he was the only one. So, yeah, fellow MMA media member, maybe he wants to go cover Fight Island. So, but, yeah, he's back. What, what, what do you think of the return of the truth, Mike Jackson, Mike Tech? Why not? I dig it. I sure. mean, it's, listen, listen let's, let's call this for what it is. There is a lot of excitement surrounding an electric guy, unbelievable kickboxer. The dude is legit. And when he got signed to the UFC, I was like, wow, like they're, this is a Bellator type of signing. Like they're just, they're jumping on this guy quick so that Bellator doesn't pick him up. And I, and I totally understood why, because this guy is really good. Owen Roddy is a striking coach. I mean, the guy is, the guy has so much potential. It's unbelievable. But we have to showcase that. You can't put him in there with Tyron Woodley right now or, you know, anybody at 55. So this one's going to be at 70. I think it's a good test for him. And Mike's, you know, Mike is, is what it is. Like he, he gets an opportunity and what's he going to do? Say no. Of course he's going to get it. Yeah. When I found out about this fight yesterday, I was, I was told by a source, I was actually texted Dean Barry's fighting Mike Jackson on January 20th. I'm like, Mike, the truth Jackson. And he said, yes. And I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. So here we are. This is 2021. Good opportunity. MMA and you can't sleep on anybody. And Mike Jackson has been in this game, whether covering it or actually competing in some form of combat sports for quite some time now. So why not? Interesting. It was, it, it, it's got people talking. That's for sure. Yeah. People are, uh, I don't want to say excited, but at least they know him. He's clearly one like it's. He's more popular than fighters that are ranked. If yeah. people remember him, more popular than <laughs> Dean Barry. Sure. More popular than Dean Barry. Mike Jackson is the A side on that fight. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You fought at was it 225 or 238? That was the last or one. Or 238. Yeah. 225. So that was Chicago Whitaker, right? Romero too. Yeah, we fought CM Punk. That was uh, one of my my Alex and I's fan side days. I think Mike, you were a fan side too then. I was. That was uh, yeah. yeah there was uh, Mike Jackson's UFC debut is against Mickey Gall, and the winner oh, yeah. was going to fight CM. It was the battle to who's going to fight CM Punk first. I t- I talked to Mike Jackson a lot that week uh, because like interviews, and then he came into the fan side of the office for a thing, and he was saying before that Mickey Gall fight, he was tra- he was pretty much primarily a going in the direction of boxing as as his career so he hadn't grappled yeah. he hasn't he hadn't kicked he hadn't done muay thai in a long time and then he signed fight mickey gall and got pieced up he said after that fight in pre- preparation for cm punk he actually had a full mma camp so he was actually training so he's like people who think that this clown's going to submit me i think those are his exact words are full of it because i'm going to run through this guy so he talks me into it he talks me into it but Still no, still no word from CM Punk about if he's coming back anytime soon. 
He's a good dude. Like it, Mike's actually a really nice guy. And I'm actually very, I'm very happy for Mike. I've known him for oh, a yeah. while. I remember after the CM Punk fight, Daniel Bryan from the WWE, like called yeah. him out for a fight. It was like WWE versus UFC kind of a thing. And that was like a huge deal. It's just good for Mike, man. Like I'm happy to see him get this opportunity. He was, uh, he also, as you know, like he has like the black power fist and everything on his chest and everything. And that was the week the Eagles were uninvited to the white house. So he had a lot of things to say about that. Yeah. Him and, uh, <laughs> him and CM Punk. Anyway, I'm good in- luck to Mike Jackson and Dean Barry. I'm excited for both those guys. And the cool part about Mike yep. Jackson fighting on that card, he fights the fight and then he stays the next couple of days and he gets to watch Connor Dustin in the media tent. Mm-hmm. There you go. Get those good views, for, good son. For, <laughs> good photographer, too. Yeah. Really good. good. Very good photographer. And he would have been just well, who was the last fighter to honestly be cut off a win? I really Gerald Gerald Harris. Cut or not I guess Harris. not resigned or was he what, no, they, like, I think they cut him. Can you cut can you cut someone on a win? Like I guess you know what I, I guess Mike know. I guess Mike he hasn't done any has he done any interviews yet? Like, no, he's talking to um I believe he's gonna be speaking with our own Damon Martin sometime today very interested like you know was, was he just owed this fight or did he like uh, i don't know how it works i wonder if it's one of those situations like remember mark hunt where like the ufc owed, the original fight when he, we had the pride contract where they, they, they were they just tried to yeah. they just tried to buy him out but he's like no no i want to fight i want yeah 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 that ufc 225 i just compared mike, mike jackson to mark hunt though that's yeah <laughs> Dan Ige was the opening fight on the entire card in USC 225. And then a young Charles funny? Oliveira was the next fight. And then a, a young Sergio Pettis beat Joe B. And then Anthony Smith crushed Rashad Evans. Those were all on the fight pass prelims. <laughs> so crazy looking back at some of those old, old cards. Like the, and seeing the fight pass on the prelims. prelims. The fight pass prelims of that card, I'm looking at it, is just blows the actual Fox Sports 1 prelim out of the water. We had Chris De La Rocha, <laughs> who I don't even think is in the UFC anymore. Beck Dick is on a little bit of a slide. And then Claudia and Curtis Blades are great, but like that pre- the UFC fight pass prelims ruled. And then the main, the main card was awesome, too. Anyway, thank you for the question, Joseph Boza. Maybe this is the other fight that was announced yesterday. Dina Ansar is from Roberto Barrientos. Apologies if I mispronounce your name. Is Dina Ansarov a step too big for Dern? First of all, speaking of Chicago fight cards, UFC 238 was the last time Nina Ansarov fought. What if I told you that Nina Ansarov would lose on that card, have a baby, and return before Tatiana Suarez, who also fought on that card? That is, that is just an absolute bummer. I know... Uh, our own Alex Savis is like the president of the Tatiana Suarez fan club. She, I, I, the fact that we're having all these conversations about the women's strawweight title and she can't be involved right now because of her neck is an absolute bummer. Cause I thought she was going to be, a, I thought she'd be champion by now, but you can't mess around with an injured neck. But Casey, I'll start with you. Is Nina Ansaroff a step too big for Mackenzie Dern, who's coming off the win over gender and is, has been pretty active in two, 2020. I think people don't realize um, no, this feels right. Um, and if I'm Mackenzie Dern, this is a, I think a, it sounds mean, but this is a, this is a big, this is a good opportunity to, to, to fight Ansaroff. 
She's she has the big she has the big layoff. She she made a baby, you know. And so so there's a lot there's a lot going on in her life. So um, will this need an answer off be you know the same one you uh, know a year ago? Just real quick, someone in the YouTube comments is answer off versus Dern for the baddest mother. <laughs> just the baddest mother. <laughs> I like it. I like that. That's funny. What would is this? Would this be the highest ranking mom fight? Yeah, yeah. it's got to be. It's up there. Yeah, have, mm, probably. Have, have any moms been UFC champions yet? No, I'm, there's I'm been no mom champ. Michelle no Watterson wanted. To, Michelle Watterson wanted to be the first mom champ. Okay, so right. almost obviously for the title. Far yeah, lost. Yeah. So we, yeah, we okay. We, then, we've had uh, moms fight for the title, but yeah. um, no mom has won the title. Okay. Interesting. No, Lauren Murphy's, of course, uh, close too, but close, yeah. she hasn't got that fight yet. Um, no, this wait. No, is- so in terms of in terms of high range fight, like is, what about uh, um, and- Andrea Lee and Lauren Murphy when they fought? They're both moms. They're both high ranked. They were on that Houston card. You're right. You're right. Yeah, but neither was in the top five at the time. Yeah. Well, right. well, yeah. So Antrov and Dern are outside outside the top five too. But um, but just a big mom fight. Yeah, baddest moms. Uh, but but back to the actual question. No, this feels right, um, and if I think we're all slightly surprised but excited to see Nina Ansaroff back so soon. Um, yeah. But um, if she says she's ready, and this, you know, obviously she has a couple more months for this fight. Yeah, super cool. I'm excited. Does do we technically have a mom champ champ right now though? Oh yeah. Well, well. Is Amanda Nunes? Can we consider Amanda Nunes a mom champ champ? <laughs> She's a mother, but she didn't. She didn't. She didn't. She didn't have right. the baby though. <laughs> Fair play. Fair play. I just wanted to clarify because I know people are going to talk about that. Anyway, yeah, thank you for the question, right. Roberto. Do, do, do. Mm-hmm. From Daniel Pompilio on the in, on Twitter, did Jose Allen show everyone how to get around the sponsorship ban with that sticker? Is he a pioneer or who he be made an example of? He is not a pioneer because Casey, you've watched millions of fights. Mike, you've watched millions of fights. Even now on the regional circuit, you know what happens in KSW. You know what happens in Russia all the time. How many times have we seen temporary stickers on these fighters, especially their back? I'm pretty sure if you watch the old TKO fights and George St. Pierre's early days, he has stickers all over like on his chest or his back, and we all rub off. And remember San Alvi did the spray tan on yep. his chest too? So uh, I think for fighter, uh, fans that are relatively new to the sport or don't watch a lot of the regional scene, uh, they might say that. But no, not a not a um, pioneer. If anything, he's bringing it back. Yeah. Was it a sticker or was it a tattoo, a temporary tattoo that rubbed off? Not sure. Uh, not, not sure. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> But it was a it was like a Brazil Navy flag or whatever. People yeah. were talking about it. I'm actually kind of bummed yeah. it wasn't a straight up sponsor. I'm, I'm I'm bummed it wasn't some energy drink. I'm bummed like, that <laughs> wasn't a, I'm bummed that wasn't a tattoo because that wasn't. I'm like I look I'm like that tattoo is so well done. If that's a real tattoo, that looks like a sticker. And then lo and behold, <laughs> <laughs> lo and behold. From Terrence Leverett on Twitter, another longtime commenter. Which event this year you had the opportunity to cover in person this year? Which event this year you had the opportunity to cover in person? Also, which fight would you like to cover next year if you had the choose to pick one? I think he's missing. Thanks for the great coverage this year while I worked from home. So I'm assuming which event was your favorite that you had the opportunity to cover? Yeah. Or which event next year do you want to? 
<laughs> we're waiting for it. We were, we're waiting, waiting for, it. for it. Oh man. Oh no. Oh no. Uh, Damn it! So now I have to. Now you got to host. host for a few are, you, are you hosting? <laughs> <laughs> this is your day off too, and you're hosting again. Oh man! All right. <laughs> All right, so so Casey, let, let, let me just say I I have <laughs> I have not covered a single event in 2020, not a one on location. Uh, the last event I covered live was UFC 244 in New York. That was the last one that I was live for. Uh, so Casey, what you've covered a few? You covered all the pre-pandemic events, and I think you covered maybe two or three post-pandemic events. Just two. I just covered two. I covered one pay-per-view. I covered Stipe DC3 and Dan Hooker versus Dustin Poirier. What was your favorite of all the ones you covered this year? Oh, I... I was at um, 248. I mean, I thought that was awesome. Um, we did. We we actually did. Uh, me, uh, Jose, who was here a moment ago before his computer exploded, <laughs> um, we we had the um, the um, the privilege of um, doing a nice sit down, forty five minute interview. Oh, uh, here we go. Forty five minute interview with um, Mr. Adesanya in his hotel room. Oh, this hey, is back. my back. You're back. So. For those, I probably sound a lot worse too. Because for those that aren't part of the MMA fighting team, we get our work computers that are forced to update at certain times. And mine <laughs> decided it needed to update right now. <laughs> my whole computer just turned off. <laughs> so my microphone and my HD streaming camera are unusable for the next forty-seven minutes while my computer decides to update. So, what did I miss? Uh, same. Uh... Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's a, let's ask our new host, uh, Mike Heck. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, I was asking Casey what his favorite event to cover this year was, and he said 248 because you guys had that sit down with Adesanya for for a lot for what 45 minutes or so. About, so yeah. that, that was his favorite. I guess <laughs> Jose's update might be coming to a close pretty soon, judging by that Mike, sound. Nope, it's 48 minutes. <laughs> It just restarted. What a bizarre. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. So, can you guys even can you guys even hear me right now? You're, it's, it's a little hollow, but we can hear you. We got gotcha. you. Yeah, because I have to use this thing. Still, yeah, yeah. So, sorry about that, everyone. Um, Mike, you didn't get to cover any events this year, right? Nope. Last one I covered was 244. Oh, man. But Mike, but have you, if, if we're at, oh, the card. Have Mike, have you interviewed more fighters this year than ever before? Mm. Maybe not because it's a little different now. Yeah, because so you got you have I at least say, five a week. You know, five a week for the last yeah, thirty I, weeks. <laughs> I would say I interviewed more fighters last year than I did this year. Okay, just because like that's all I did last year was just interview fighters, but it was more. I mean, I was interviewing like regional fighters, yeah, amateurs, yeah. pros, all over all different promotions. So I would say I would say quantity was more than quality last year. I don't know if that's fair, but I, yeah, I, yeah, I inter- definitely interviewed more fighters last year. But it, it is funny that like a good chunk of those fighters got into the UFC this year. So it was kind of good to, to set fun. the table in that way. That's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know the way you feel when you talk about, you know, you see – the guys on the regional circuit, you know, now you see, you know, on the big in the big show making, you know, making some decent coin. 
Like, I felt the same way, like, when I was at all the early Invicta shows. Like, I was at Tisha Torres' first fight. I was at Jojo Carterwood's first, you know, domestic American fight. Um, the, Carla Sparza before she was Carla Sparza, you know what I mean? Like, I just saw... So, I I, I totally get that, like, oh, you know, you just... You, you're, you're just, you know, you, you're happy for him. <laughs> yeah, I, I interviewed I interviewed Shorty Torres for the first time before his pro debut. Like, wow. Be- before, like... It was crazy. And then to see him get to the UFC, like that's one of the ones that like stuck out to me. Cause I remembered he was fighting for Titan FC at the time. And their PR rep was like, you got to interview this guy. I know he's got no pro fights, but interview this guy. I'm telling you, you're going to be blown away by him. And I was like, eh, all right. And then I interviewed him and I was like, what did you are right? Blew me away. Indeed. I, re- I remember when Mike and I worked at Fanside. I'm pretty sure we were one of the ones that broke shorty signing with, uh, the UFC because he got that last minute fight in Utica, which I went to because we had plans to shoot some sort of embedded style thing like you did with Alima in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey, the fight was like 11, 12 days notice and he was bulking up to fight at 145 and then had to cut down to 125. So he just physically was not up to it when we got there. But that was the worst I've ever seen him in terms of his because uh, he's obviously a really good talker. It was hard to get like three words out of him because it looked like he was about to pass out at every point of the day. Oh, wait, getting anyway, <laughs> that was a fans. fight between two of <laughs> that was a fight between two of the more underrated talkers in the sport. Like Shorty's obviously great. Jared Brooks is excellent too, and that's another guy you should probably be back at the UFC, but is not. It's just the mon- it's crazy. The Monkey God. Yes, is that his name? Yeah. Yep. Uh, but to answer Mr. Terrence Leverett's question, because uh, I 249 probably the first Jacksonville pay per view, the the Tony <clears throat> Gaethje one, because that one was just that was the first pandemic card, and that fight ruled, and I sat octagon side for it, so just the sounds I'll never forget the sounds of that fight, being like ten feet away from it. And when Justin Gaethje just got just just he got the worst low blow low blow I've ever heard, but only because there was no one there, so it just echoed and the the cries of agony from a low blow I'll never forget. I hate covering I hate co- I mean covering pandemic fights. We're kind of like how, with all the protocols, it's a good experience, but it, overall it sucks compared to a a, a normal fight week. Would you yeah. say so? You know what else like? sucks? Spending five weeks in Abu Dhabi—that was a grind. By the way. <laughs> oh, dude, I was—I was—I was worried about—I was worried about everyone's like mental health there. You know, you guys, uh, the, the like, staff, just Oscar like Oscar and I were. Oscar and I were talking about this when I was up in Las Vegas last. Like by week four, we just we would see each other, and be like, "Hey, one more week to go. One more week to go." And then by the time the fight week came around, we were all back into it. But like you go through that, you go through. It's like fun, it's interesting. And then by like the middle of week three, you just know the routine and there's nothing to do. And then once the Habib fight came around, it was awesome. The Adesanya Costa fight week was a lot of fun though, mostly because I got that interview with uh, the city kickboxing guys. That that where they just seemed to have fun. Izzy, it seems all hat for them, but the fact that um, like Kai. Uh, Riddell and Shane got the shine too like they were excited for the interview and then Blood Diamond and then Carlos Olberg who's now in the UFC yep, Olberg. I was I interviewed him five weeks before 
his contender series fight. And during the thing, he goes, I'm just ready right now if they need a contender series guy. So, yeah, that 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 was probably my favorite of the Abu Dhabi fight weeks. Cool. Thank you much. Did we answer everything? Oh, um, oh no, it was the second part of the question. Which one do you want to cover next year? If it's a pandemic card, I, I, I will cover it because that's my job. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's, they're, they're just not fun to cover. You just, everything's at a distance, protocols. It's just, you know, once, once you do it, once you, once you go to Abu Dhabi two times, you got it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> are you looking, are you, is, what are you looking forward to, Jose? Mm. Any event in general? You know, I'm looking, um, how about the first event where fans are going to be back? That's going to be just weird. Yeah, I think that whenever that happens, year, we yeah, we were talking about like Oscar and I were talking about that too. We're still going to be nervous. For the oh first yeah, fan first time. Like we're still like like we were talking like say we're the fans are allowed back in and it's a normal fight week, but you're still only allowed like they want because right now each media outlet is pretty much only allowed one person backstage and the one person that was at Octagon side. So like. If there was an event in Boston or if there was an event in, like, Ohio or something like that, like, either me or Casey or Alex would probably go. And then, like, Mike or Damon would sit Octagon side and then the other one would be in the back doing the interviews. Uh, I still don't know if I would want to sit in an arena with fans everywhere just yet. Oh, it's going to – yeah. I i don't expect it to happen late 2021 if that – when actually they can they the, the 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 whatever local governments or can deem it safe enough to have an actual arena where everyone can just breathe on each other. Uh, what a weird what a weird dystopian statement, but that, that I'm saying now that <laughs> makes sense, but a year ago like what? <laughs> but um yeah. What about you, Mike? What are you excited to cover next year if possible? I have never covered a Connor card yet really that would be one yeah that'd be one i'd like to to see in person because i've I've just i haven't been there for a connor fight yet i'm super curious how a pandemic connor card will go that's that is interesting because casey casey has covered a million of them i've covered i've covered all of them except for 229 because i had just joined fighting so i hadn't like you guys had your routine it was like 229 is my first pay-per-view fighting so i was still the new person so i didn't get to go and then i didn't do his doubling card uh because i couldn't afford to pay for myself to go to that one but the media turnout is insane and some media that don't cover mma are so rude and they just think they can push in front of you and knock over everything start asking questions before everyone's ready it's very much like boxing media casey you've covered boxing yeah boxing media and mma media are night and day in terms of just manners (laughs) uh but Casey, you've been to events now where like they have name tags everywhere. You each get your own mic. There's no pushing. You don't have to get there super early to get a good spot. I am very curious if that continues with a Connor card during during a pandemic. I mean, during, during with the yeah. current protocols. I mean, I would think they have to. Yeah. I mean, they have. I mean, I agree. Um, I mean, Esther, she just um, she just came back from San Antonio and she worked on the Canelo fight, the Canelo card. And San Antonio, and um, so which would normally be, it's 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 not the same. It's not the same as Connor hype, but it's up there, you know. Especially with international media, 
And oh, yeah. she was just like, no, but uh, pandemic protocols override everything. You know, I mean, it, it, it can get a little crowded and a little rude. You know, people going, hey, I should be over there. I need, I need to get closer. But for the most part, it's pandemic protocols control, rule everything before the um, uh, the, the status of the fight, how big it is. So, but yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll love, but to see Connor in an empty arena walk out with no fans and just to hear his music playing just for the people in the arena, I mean, for the you know, 30 people in the uh, whatever the fight spear, fight fight dome, whatever, um, <laughs> fight hanger. I don't know what they call it. Thing. Um, yeah, that I, I I wouldn't mind covering that fight though, just to have that experience because yeah. I was at UFC Dublin, um, uh, the the Connor fight where he fought Diego Brandao, and even though I was at all the other big Connor pay per views, that by far was the best one as far as just like the crowd, the intensity, and at that point Connor was. Connor was still Connor. Connor was a hero. There was no, you know, bus incident. There was no allegations. There was no brawls. It was just Connor on his ride. So everything was was rosy then. So, um, and that was just a magical night for Irish MMA in general. Absolutely, because they all won. They all won. They all won big too. Yep. Man, what a card! Cool, cool. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Four Corner Sports NY on Twitter. What are your thoughts of the three cards for Fight Island that Dana announced and which card as well as which main event are you most looking forward to and why? I think we just answered this in the last question. I think we're all at least fascinated by the idea of Connor fighting on a pandemic card. Um, the other main event is Hamza and or Leon Edwards and Hamza. And then the other main event is Max Holloway, Calvin Cater. All awesome fights. Calvin Cater, of course, doing representing New England over in Abu Dhabi. Max Holloway. I think it's weird that their fight, two U.S. fighters are fighting in the main event of Fight Island. But whatever. It is what it is. Um, Mike, what are you most looking forward to of the three cards? It's got – I mean, obviously, Connor Poirier is super fascinating. But – and I love – love me Calvin Cater versus Max Holloway – or excuse me, Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater – higher rank fighter first pal mm-hmm. but Shemaev, but leon edwards leon edwards versus hamzat shamayev man like i i just have to see it like we missed out on it december 19th it is such a fascinating fight and i am responsible for writing the breakout fighter of the year for mma fighting and i got to wax poetically on the winner a little bit i mean uh, one of the nominees because obviously Shemaev's going to be in this conversation but the fact that he's fighting Leon Edwards in his fourth UFC fight is just so crazy to me. And we're finally going to see it, hopefully, on January 20th, headlining that card, sandwiched in between Cater Holloway and McGregor versus Poirier. Man, oh, man, I am fired up. I, I, that's such a fascinating fight. I cannot wait to see the result of that and where it sends this division moving forward. I agree. I agree, because this is going to be make or, make or break for Shamayev, obviously, and Leon Edwards. If, if Leon Edwards doesn't look great against, like, an unranked fighter, like, I mean, I think he might get a little bit of a pass because we just had COVID, and he's been off for, like, more than a year. So 
give him a little bit of a pass, but it's not going to look great on his resume. Casey, what do you look most look forward to? Um, I love all three of those main events. I really do. I love them all because every every single one of those fights have extremely high stakes, and they're not they're not just fights. I mean, one like like Wonder Boy Neil was a great fight. It's two guys who wanted to see punch each other, but the the, the high stakes were really weren't there outside of the physical beating they were going to get. Um, but this one, yeah, there's so much in the line for Holloway. There's so much in the line for Cater. So much in the line for every single fighter. And um, the only thing that can make it better is um, not necessarily that he deserves it, but I think I think Connor versus uh, Poirier versus McGregor should be for the new for the vacant title vacant 155 title. Um, not that I think Connor I deserves it, but I think that fight I think that belt is vacated. Habib retired. So that belt should be vacated, and Dustin Poirier should have the opportunity to fight for that title. So um, I'm super excited about it. I like the idea of the. I like the idea of that fight being a number one contender fight for a vacant title, or uh, at least like an opening of a tournament, like a. Or the opening of a tournament, or like a part of a tournament. Either way, yeah. Yeah. I I I just hate that idea. Someone presented. Sorry. Yeah, someone presented the idea of if that's the opening of the tournament, but it's still a title fight. So it's like Bellator where the title is part of, like, follows a fighter through. Don't hate that idea either. Because at the end, if Connor wins the tournament, you can't Same thing. You can't argue he doesn't have to be champ, you know, mm-hmm. the winner of the tournament. So don't hate it either way, but I'm excited for Connor to get back in there. Excited for Pori to get back in there. Uh, and for the Good Fight Foundation to get a whole bunch of money, more importantly. Yay. Most but, uh, taking out any title stuff. I do feel like I, I, I am a sucker. I, I did I did um, fall for it, but like I, I am into Shamaya versus Edwards. I hate that booking, but I love the chaos of it and the chaos that it can create, you know, in terms of rankings. And all of a sudden, an unranked guy is now number three. Uh, a guy who was ranked number three, maybe he's not even top ten. You know, I don't know. You know, not you know. What I mean, like you just like, like is Leon Edwards he, is he even any good? You know. Rise? I'm sorry. Has anyone had a faster rise? Cody Garbrandt's the only one I could think of. He fought Dominic Cruz after like a year. Not, not, not. Oh well. How long well, was no, he no, 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 before I, fighting Cruz? I would. I would say I with, within the UFC, this could be the fastest rise um, outside of Anderson Silva. Within the UFC, not counting outside. No, yeah. like because Anderson Silva and, was. And, yeah, and Anderson was Anderson still. Yeah, that's a problem. It doesn't, it doesn't really well, count. I, yeah. I'm, yeah, because I was a huge mark for Anderson and Pride, and when he joined the UFC, I wanted him to fight Rich Franklin right away. Right away, I didn't think pretty he much. He needed to fight, but what, it ended up working out because he looked so well. So he performed so well, it just made that fight bigger, which is great. But yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anyone that's gotten this yeah. massive treatment. You know, like like when, when Eddie Alvarez came to the UFC, if he wanted like just dusted um, a Cowboy in his first Cowboy. fight, I'm sure his next fight would have been for the title. But obviously, he lost that fight. 100%. But, um, uh, but as far as coming into the UFC completely unknown, like being just a regional fighter, I can't, I'm, I can't think of a fighter coming faster, coming and up the ladder. He was faster. the last minute replacement. And yeah, last and last minute replacement. Yeah. <laughs> you know who's also a last minute replacement? That's now one of the all time greats, uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Yep. She came on like oh, two yep, weeks Sarah notice. Kaufman. Yeah, dude. So Cody, Cody was five and zero when he fought for the title. 
Okay. He debuted in December in January of 2015, and he fought Dominic Cruz in December of 2016. When you say so debut, almost, you, mean, you mean UFC debut or, or MMA debut? UFC, UFC debut. debut. Oh, UFC debut. Okay. So he was five and zero. Oh, he fought Marcus Brimage in his first UFC fight. Um, you know who? Else? Brandon, if Brandon Royval beat Brandon Moreno, he could have been the answer yeah. to this question. I agree. No. Cool, cool. Thank you for your question. I like that question. Sammy. For another question from Four Corner Sports, what did you learn about Chaos Williams after? Hey, don't tag. I know he tagged him. What did you learn about Chaos Williams after his fight against Michelle Fernandez? Who do you want Chaos to fight next? We had this. We had a similar question on the post-fight show, if I'm not mistaken. So. Mike, you were the host of that, and you did answer the next one, obviously. But for those of you, for those of our listeners who missed the post fight show, or miss on to the next one, or miss both, what's next for both Chaos and Michelle Pereira? Um, to kind of address the first question, uh, I think we learned that Chaos can fight beyond thirty seconds because I think that was a big question that people had heading into that fight. Um, a lot of people also felt that Chaos Williams won that fight, so. It is what it is. I don't think he lost a lot of steam. We kind of had these extreme expectations when we were talking about as soon as chaos and Pajeda was booked, we were just like, Oh my God, this is really happening. And we just had the, all the, these high expectations and it wasn't, it just became more of a technical fight. So I don't think we learned a whole lot more from that fight. I think we learned outset that he could fight for 30 seconds. As far as what I'd like to see next for chaos, I'd like to see him, and this is solely depending on the recovery of this man. I want to see Chaos fight Brian Barberina and just let those two throw hams and have some fun in there. Uh, he's a veteran. He's been in the UFC for a long time. He's been a part of some some crazy fights in his career. I'd like to see him match up against a guy that is so super durable and can take a big shot and see how he plays out. Pajeda. I mean, there's a lot of options for him right now. I'd like to see him get a step up. Someone like inside the top twenty. Oh, give give chaos a veteran who who's willing to scrap, and then Pajeda. Let's see what he can do. Throw him into some deeper waters and see what happens. Casey, what say you? Um, what did I learn about them? Um, actually, I learned that Chaos is actually a better fighter than. They're kind of actually. I didn't learn too much. I, I think they're both very talented fighters, and the fight was super close. It was actually, it was one of those fights, because it was so competitive, it kind of made it, you know, boring. It didn't make it the crazy fight of the year that we thought it was going to be because it was competitive, because these guys are actually good fighters, and because they respected the other guy across the across the cage from them, because they didn't want to get knocked out, you know, so they both had to fight smart. So, actually, I, I, I even though it wasn't the fight of the year that we thought it was going to be, or fight of the night, you know, um, I thought we learned that they were actually just smart, well-rounded fighters, actually. Um, for chaos though, next, <sighs> yeah, I think I think what Mike said, just like a, just a vet. Um, I like that. Um, I, I would love um Robbie Lawler to fight either of these guys, <laughs> either one. Um, I think I, I think I don't think you can go what wrong about, either way. Why not uh, Michelle Fernanda? I'd like to see him fight uh, Nicholas Dalby or Tim Means because they're both coming off wins, like big wins in their career, and they're both veterans uh, who have seen everything. 
Uh, and at Chaos Williams, I want to fight Daniel Rodriguez just because that's super violent. I agree. I think both of these guys, I think you can it's, – it's really hard to it's, – it's kind of hard to mess with matchmaking of these guys, to be honest. I agree. Yeah. Also because I like the Tim Means fight. Tim Means a lot too. We, we talk about the top of the welterweight division being so hyper-competitive, but I feel like the talent between like say 8 and 30 – has a you can match up any of those guys and they'll fun like welterweight is like sneaky stacked outside the top 15 there's a lot of fun fighters up there i agree cool cool thank you much what time uh, is it i can't even see my clock oh uh, we we're just at, we're, <laughs> we, ju- we just went over an hour we just went over an hour let's do some let me go through the youtube comments and see if uh da, da, da. let me get a couple more in here uh. From Anid Saranga, apologies if I mispronounce your name. Do you guys think if Charles is able to equal Habib's winning streak, he'll entice Habib to come back? Mm, I think it's a tough question. I think Mike Does is. Habib, <laughs> It's a tough question. <laughs> what do you say, Mike? Mike, 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 Mike is ready. Mike's got it. I think I. I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no, though. I think obviously the GSP fight is is the one that's been thrown around a lot. But if it's not GSP, there, I think honestly, there's only one guy that can get Habib back, and it is Charles Oliveira. If he can go on in, in, in this insane run, maybe win the vacant title and go on a streak as impressive as Habib's. Like if he wins 13 fort. 14 in a row overall if he wins four or five more fights in a row there's a chance that i think habib would come back and be like no 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 son that's my record you're not breaking it so outside of gsp i think Oliveira is the one guy that might be able to entice habib to come back just because of the competitive nature of it but outside of that i don't see it happening i was gonna say if there's one name that might bring him back it might be Charles also solely because he's already said, like, he's already tapped out Poirier. He's already tapped out Connor. He's already beaten Gaethje. Like, Tony's lost. Like, he's beaten everyone. There's no one else for him to beat. And if Charles goes on this, if Charles Oliveira had won, gone on the mic, called out Islam Makhachev, goes out there and beat Islam Makhachev, man, I bet Habib would have fought him. But you don't know. No one knows. Anyway, Casey, what do you think? Um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just, no. <laughs> If, if on a scale of 1 to 100, it is like 95% sure Habib's retired. But if there's that 5%, I, Charles could be one of them just because Habib hasn't fought him. If if Charles never had those issues at 45 and he was an undefeated, an undefeated lightweight and he was encroaching on that pound-for-pound pound best ever list, maybe. But I, just, I think Habib's one of those guys like, oh, cool, good for him. And yeah, Agreed. I mean, it's, it's it's nice to think about. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, I know we're we're already missing a beeb, you know, but um, yeah. Uh, what from Mareld Clegg? Where does Greg Hardy go from here? Outside the top twenty, in terms of an next opponent, I don't know. Like, I, they're not going to cut him. Like, he's he's. If you don't want, like, I know a lot of our followers aren't, like, they don't follow, like, American sports, but Greg Hardy is a name, like, that people recognize, good and bad, like, 
they either remember him for being the football player or they remember him from the awful headlines that he was involved in during his NFL career. So they're not cutting him, but he obviously needs a drastic step down in uh, competition in terms of talent. Mike, what do you say? There's two ways you go with this. One, you throw him to like a guy like a Parker Porter, something in that realm, because I think the UFC kind of sees something in Parker Porter. But they also see something in Greg. It's a step back. It's a fun fight. And Parker's going to get right in his face and throw bombs. And then the other option is you give him a guy like a Tanner Bozier, who's like on the cusp of taking that next step towards the top 15, who's coming off a loss to Andre Arlovsky that's looking to get back against a, you know, a recognizable name. So I, I anywhere like in between those guys is fine too. But yeah, we're not throwing them into the, into a top 15 or a top 20 matchup. It's either you take a giant step back or you take a partial step back. There's just, there's just no in between. You can make arguments for both. Um, but I'd like to see Greg take a giant step back um, and just see what he has. Like if pa- Parker's a tough dude, like if Parker Porter can get to the second round with Greg Hardy, that's an interesting fight to me. And Tanner Bozier would be all over a, a matchup like that. So something like that, give him a step back for sure though. Casey, what say you? Um, I love, I love, I love Greg Hardy versus Tanner Bozer. Um, Bo- Bozer, am I saying it right? Yeah. Um, yep. I think the UFC likes Tanner Bozer. Um, he fights for much cheaper than Greg Hardy does. I think Greg Hardy is uh, for his ranking, for how good he is, how good his potential is. I think he is um, very expensive. And I know the UFC paid him a lot of money at the beginning because I know Dana thought Greg Hardy was going to be this top five, you know, title contender eventually. Man, but what I saw, was that two weeks ago or, or last, was that this, when was that last fight? Week. Last week. Yeah, sorry, we have so last many cards. Week. Last week. Um, yeah, it was so long ago now. That was, that was one that, honestly, yeah, I get Greg Hardy can kick my ass, man, but in terms of UFC heavyweights, that was a very, very, very bad performance. The way he just complete, yeah, you, you look great one round, cool, but you still didn't, you didn't drop Tybur, you didn't, you ten eight him, you just, you won the round. But man, to see someone's gas tank just that much, and then when it goes to the ground, even worse. That I mean, if that was not Greg Hardy, if that was not Greg Hardy, you would you that you're you're not going. Oh, I want to see that guy fight again. Just no way. So um, I think Greg Hardy's next fight, we talk about crossroads fights. Holy crap, he has to win the next fight, I think. It's so important. Because, like, cause like you know, all those, like, weird little losses, they're, they're like, illegal elbow, I mean, illegal knees. What was that one? He had, he had a, didn't he get DQ'd once? Asthma. Well, he had he asthma. Was, he was DQ'd for the illegal knee, and then it was a no contest because he used the inhaler. Yeah, and then and all, even all his wins were kind of... They, were, they all seem weird, you know. Just like you know, one one um, was it one Adams, yeah. Uh, just like grabbing his leg. It was just um, yeah. And that that was just like okay. So we finally got the lost the Greg Hart. Like he just lost, lost, just lost bad. So whatever his next fight is, man. If he loses that next fight, I just don't understand the UFC paying what he is, paying 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 the amount he gets to keep him around. So I think it's such an important fight for him. Who do you think wins a long distance race between Shane Carwin and Greg Hardy? <laughs> long distance, talking, talking 80, 80 yards, <laughs> like two forties in a row. Who run? Who runs five miles? Who runs a five k? Who wins a five k between Greg Hardy and Shane Carwin? Five k, like in a row? 
Like he's like, <laughs> oh man, a five k race, a fun run for charity. <laughs> yeah, see, that's tough. That's a good question. Shay Carwin will win an MMA fight ten out of ten times. But man, those like I was trying to like when I was watching that fight, I'm like, I feel like there's a heavyweight out there that I'd seen this before. It's Shane Carlin. When he fought Brock Lesnar and he was just dead after the first round. But as much as I want to see Greg Hardy versus Tanner Bozer, I think that's a really bad fight for Hardy. Because so I think all Hardy has, especially in that first round, he'll he'll have speed. And I got guys like Bozer, I don't know necessarily know how much faster he'll be than Bozer. And then Bozer, I mean, you know, you know what you're gonna get from Greg Hardy. Survive that first round and then um, use your mixed martial arts, your full your full skill set, and beat him in the second round. But uh, yeah, I'll, if I'm Greg Hardy, I, I try I try to find a big slow heavyweight. <laughs> oh, let's talk about this before we jet. Update from Joseph Bozer: with Anthony Pettis testing for agency. Connor's now ranked number fifteen at welterweight. Thoughts? <laughs> I have no thoughts. Let's talk about Anthony I Pettis. I have no though. thoughts on this. How about Anthony Pettis? Talk about Conor McGregor falling from number one pound for pound in the world to 30 months <laughs> later being outside the top 10. <laughs> Man, what a drastic fall. <laughs> that was a bug. I feel like. System. Anyway, yeah, Anthony Pettis is. Go ahead. No, I feel like that happens once a month. It's crazy. Yeah. Like those, I'll go on UFC.com and be like, what? Like, how is this, how is this a thing? So, Anthony Pettis announced yesterday he's going to test the free agency test the open market he is parting ways with ufc after 12 years uh i think mike and i you said it a few times like especially on the the post fight show like his bags are packed like he can say he wants to fight tony he can say he wants to get back to the belt and all this his bags are already probably packed and leaving the leaving uh the ufc so i would not be surprised whatsoever if we see him on uh bellator if pfl gets their act together maybe he goes for the million dollars to and then retires, but yeah, no surprise for me when he made that announcement. But Mike, what thought? Oh, I'm, I'm with you. It seems like Bellator is like the best option for him. And I mean, just look at the fights we can make there. I mean, Jose, you you just the, the mere mention of a Pettis versus MVP on the post fight show just put the biggest smile on my face. Like this is real. Like this just could really happen. Into my veins. Yes, and I know he wants to go back to fifty-five, and I feel like fifty-five is the best is the best place for him. But man, him versus MVP is so much fun. I love it. Him versus Patricky Pitbull, man, that's so much fun. I love that too. But if he goes to PFL, I don't have an issue with that either. Him and him him versus Natan Schott would be so much fun. Like that's a crazy fight to think about too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. He's in a good place right now. And and going in there and having a win like that against a guy like Murano who's tough as nails and throwing those combinations and getting on the highlight reels and getting on social media clips, that was huge for Anthony Pettis. Cause now I feel like his stock is way higher than it was, you know, even coming out of the Cerrone win. Seems like a calculated move from Anthony Pettis to take specifically the Alex Murano fight. If you tell if if I if if I'm giving my opinion, but Eric Koch is apparently also no longer with the UFC, another Rufus Sport guy. So I said on our Slack channel, it seems like there's an exodus of Rufus Sports fighters uh, from the UFC. Uh, I know there was that weird Tyron Woodley possibly being cut in, but then Tyron Woodley cl- cleared it up later. He's not, he's not cut from the UFC. That, like he said it himself, and his manager confirmed. So yeah, 
Uh, Anthony Pettis versus MVP in Bellator would be awesome, but Anthony Pettis versus MVP in Ryzen in a ring would be a lot of fun. <laughs> so, uh, I don't glorious. Know do, like, that's, that's far less things to jump off of if you're Anthony Pettis. Still a fun <laughs> Or maybe there's more, Jose. Maybe there's yeah, more. Maybe he gets true. up on that top turnbuckle. Those do and... have some spring. Yeah, they do have some spring in there. A little too cold Scorpio yeah. action. I love it. Yeah, we, we've seen we've seen it. enough lucha that you can you can jump pretty you can jump pretty high off those ropes. Come on, man. <laughs> Anthony Pettis versus like any like like Larkin would be fun. Lima would be fun. Patricky Pitbull obviously is a lot of fun. If they want to do a, their own lightweight tournament after like their own lightweight Grand Prix, have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patricio vacate, go for 135 because I think Patricio can make 135 and fight Juan Archuleta tomorrow. Uh, well, obviously he's gonna cut weight, but if you if Patricio wants to vacate because his brother's at 155, or and then make that tournament, throw Anthony Pettis in there, I'm all for that. Any of those. I'm or jumping. A, I'm jumping a little ahead. Kickboxing. I'm oh, sorry. So yeah, I'm, I'm jumping a little. I'm do kickboxing Muay Thai too. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm jumping a little ahead, but you know. AJ McKee has talked about, you know, he's eventually going to grow out of featherweight. So, I mean, there's just so many just AJ McKee versus Pettis. I mean, that's like a, a little bit away. But I'm just talking about, like, these are things that are Damn. just 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 fun to think about. It's just fun to think about. And, you know, I think this is really good. I think this is really confirmation that um, Sergio Pettis is signing to Bellator, um, not just in the cage, but behind the scenes and the bank account and just the way they're treated. I think the Pettis um, household is very happy with um the move to bellator i think um if the brother with the well, not with, with the brother this, with anthony leaving the ufc rather and i know he hasn't signed to bellator yet but i think uh i think the pettis household realizes that there are um there is life outside a good a good life outside the ufc i agree i'll tell you what there's there's one organization that we're leaving out that made a big splash this year in a situation very similar to this what about bare knuckle? Are they a player? Because we didn't think Paige Van Zant was a player. And guess what? Curve ball. Maybe a one-off. Maybe a one-off for Pettis. I could see a, a quick one-off. But you know, I, the only reason I say no for that, because I don't think if Pettis has has having the, the necessarily the durability with the bones in his yeah, hand. His hands break a lot. That, that's the only reason. But I do like the idea. That's the only reason I, I, I kind of wonder about that. But. But you know, but it's hey, it is safer. It actually, it actually is safer. Not, not maybe not broken bones in the hand, but overall, to your your brain facilities. Yeah, it is. It is actually safer. Uh, anything so, else? Are we going to oh. get Anthony Pettis versus Artem Lobov and Bare Knuckle? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to. I, I want to see Jason like Knight a, back in. Sounds like a fight circus fight. Yeah. yeah. I want to see Jason Knight back in a, a cage uh, doing do MMA. I miss Jason Knight. Is he? I want to say Jason he was supposed to. We're gonna like, I think Knight I think there was some promotion that was going to throw him in there. I real mm-hmm. I, I thought I I thought he had a fight booked for some promotion in a cage, but I, I don't think it ever actually happened. All right. All right. Uh, do you want to take some more questions? Or we're at, a, we're at hour 20. 
We we can wrap it. We got all we got a ton of time to film that. Yeah, we we got a whole we got a whole month. We got three weeks, guys. <laughs> we'll answer all your Misha Tate is Misha Tate coming back questions next week or the week after that. And oh uh, yeah, a lot of P- so, page fans and questions. Yeah. <laughs> so this now I'm surprised we didn't get any questions about Dana White's strange promo. We got a couple. Mostly Ben Askren versus Jake Paul. Hey, what a we got, weird, silly sport this is. Yeah, we got it we is. got a few weeks. We got a few weeks. Anyway, I'm Jose Youngs. That's Casey. That's Mike. I'm sorry for the audio things. You can blame Fox and they're they're forcing you <laughs> to update in the middle of a live stream. But anyway, that's Casey, producer extraordinaire. You can find Mike. Go listen to between the links where him, Aiken, and James Shu break down their picks for the end of the year awards. And then Thursday tomorrow. He'll be back with what the heck you can find out. You know, I'm sure he's tweeted or will tweet the lineup soon. You can find all his work there. You can find this stuff along with all of the MMA fighting stuff on Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that. But until next Wednesday, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.